0: Welcome, everyone, to the Early Learning Matters podcast series. This is an AEDC New South Wales podcast. So AEDC stands for Australian Early Development Centers. My name is Mary Taiwo, and I'm AEDC New South Wales State Coordinator at the New South Wales Department of Education. And my name is Jackie Ward, and I'm the Early Learning Coordinator at the department. In this first podcast, we will be talking about the AEDC and the type of information that is captured how the AEDC data is collected, and the domains measured. It's exciting. I'm really
1: keen to be joining in on this podcast today because I know um, many moons ago as an early childhood teacher, when I first heard about the AEDC, I thought what a fantastic data set to look at engaging with our community and improving outcomes for children.
0: Yeah, today we'll be joined by Tess Gregory, Yasmin Harman smith from the Teleton Kids Institute. The agency. This is the agency that provides strategic oversight to the AEDC project at the national level. Hi,
2: I'm uh, Yasmin Harman-Smith, and I'm um, honoured to have been invited to talk to you, Jackie and uh, Mary, today. I've been working with the AEDC um, for about eight years in my role at the Telethon Kids Institute, and uh, I've been really lucky to be able to go out
3: to talk to
2: schools about the data, Um, what supports they would like to be able to use it, sort of value they can get from it, and um, hear about the terrific ways they've been using the data to make change for their kids. I'm really excited to be able to share some of those learnings with you today.
3: Thanks, Mary. My name is Tess Gregory, and I am an academic who works for the Telephone Kids Institute. Um, I'm also really thankful to be invited along today to talk about the AADC data. It's a really valuable data set, um, both for the state governments as well as the federal governments and communities and schools across the whole of Australia to understand what's going on in terms of children's development when they start school and the best ways that we can support families and children to have a great start. Can I just
2: add um, some acknowledgement? Tess and I are sitting on Ghana uh, country today, and I'd like to pay my respects to Ghana elders past and present and acknowledge the importance of culture and country for living Ghana people today.
0: Thank you very much. And um, um, I also add that I'm joining this podcast series from the land of the Dharak people here um, at Parramatta, and I acknowledge Aboriginal elders past, present, and emerging. Thanks, Mary.
1: I'm also on Darug land. So, um, yeah, acknowledge country and uh, thank the traditional custodians for their great care of um, our beautiful spaces.
0: Thank you very much, everyone, for introducing yourselves. Um, as um, Elia mentioned, as part of my role in, with the AEDC project in New South Wales, it's been an interesting journey in engaging with different stakeholders to understand their journey and how they've used the AEDC data. But just in a few sentences, I'll probably start. Um, what is the AEDC and how did it all come about?
3: So it's the Australian Early Development Census. And we used to call it the AEDI, but it was rebranded in about 2015 to the AEDC.
2: So I might jump in there Mary if you like. Um, The Telethon Kids Institute has been working with um, the AEDC program from uh, around 2002-2003 and the instrument came to Australia from Canada actually. The instrument that we use in the AEDC collection um, is called the EDI and there was work done in Australia um, more than 20 years ago now or around 20 years ago to Understand how we can better measure child development. So, there was a lot of emerging science about the importance of those first five years of life. Um, and people really wanted to know: okay, we know that that's important, but how are we doing? Where are we um, supporting children's development well? Who's missing out? And what could we be doing better? And so, there was a lot of work done to identify how well we could measure that in Australia with a tool like the EDI. Um, whether it was suitable for our context, whether it was suitable for our different diverse cultural communities um, and I guess the extent to which the data would be reliable for policy and planning. So that work happened um, across Australia with these sort of pilot communities and the data really in those very early days, the data that was collected between 2007 and 2009 has been used by those communities for a really long time um, in their planning but for – the majority of us, we've really only been exposed to the ADC from sort of 2010. After that first collection in 2009, national collection. So we're really still kind of learning. Um, although we've had it now for five collections, really just still learning about the, you know, the difference that we can make when we use that data really well in our planning.
3: Yeah, it's
1: really interesting to hear you say that, um, Yasmin, because I definitely um, was completely unaware as an early childhood teacher, you know, before I sort of went along to a, a an event that was hosted by a local council and it was a whole group of valid health professionals and early childhood services. And just, you know, knowing that there was a data set at that sort of community level, I guess, was really um, impactful to think about ways that you engage with communities. And I think in the early childhood space and the school space, there's, you know, within the uh, National Quality Framework and the School Excellence Framework, there's a call for schools and services to engage with their community. And this is a great way to do it um, and have a bit of a collective impact on the work that we do, looking at the community level data. So... Exciting! It really brings evidence to those conversations, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I also kind of think I love the idea that, you know, that it's a holistic look and it's a look at children's development because a lot of the things that once children get to school, there's a big focus on literacy, numeracy skills and things like that. So it's great to have the ADC as a set that really looks at the whole child And, you know, all the stuff that um, Tess and and Yasmin are going to talk about today, I think, shows the impact of when we know that kind of information about children's development, how um, we can tailor interventions and strategies and projects and all sorts of things to improve outcomes.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for um, providing that um, context. And I guess, as Jackie has mentioned, um, most times people are not aware of um, the AEDC data and the different level of reports available for them to explore and understand the needs of children um, at the community level and at the school level. But maybe just asking a bit more. So if um, someone is curious about the AEDC, can you tell us a bit more on how the data is collected and who is involved in the process of the data collection?
2: Yeah, so actually, um, probably the only country in the world that does this, and um, we've been overseas a number of times talking about the AEDCs people, and they wondered how on earth do we make this national data collection happen, where we have this holistic measure of child development for you know over ninety-five percent of children every three years, um, and the answer is we have a fabulous school system that's been willing to support the collection. And with the commitment of the education departments um, and independent government um independent schools and non-government schools around the country um the data is collected um through the teachers so we have a mammoth effort is about seven and a half thousand teachers mm-hmm. in every collection who contribute their knowledge of um children in their class and so they've known their children uh, at this point in time for a term and uh they tend to have a really good sense of the way that the children have developed holistically. Um, so it's that expertise of the teachers that we draw on. Uh, and they answer an instrument, they have training that supports them to be able to do that really well, and there's information within the instrument that gives them guidance about how to um, score a child's development on, on different aspects of their development. So they answer a Um, just over a hundred questions about the child's development and a number of questions about yeah that child's um background and demographics and their experiences and family and those sorts of things so we get a really rich picture through that um, expert knowledge that educators have of the children in their classes they've gotten to know them in their first year of school would you add anything to that test i missed anything no i think that's a really good summary
0: yeah, thanks for that. I guess um one of the questions that people often ask me um, as a state coordinator yes. when I talk to them about the data is, um, so how can we validate what the teachers are saying? Do they receive any training? and um, How much, how long do they need to have known the students for? And how do we consider the fact that there are so many variations in terms of teachers' perspective? Like how how do you manage that in the data collection process?
3: So as Yasmin said, the teachers uh, make this assessment of children between May and July of that first year of their full time school. So they've known the child um, for a while already. So they're quite familiar with the child and you know have, have seen the child behave in different contexts within the classroom, outside the classroom and so on. Um, If any teachers feel like they don't know the child very well or, you know, they can't make an assessment or they can't complete any individual questions, they can indicate that on the the instrument when they're completing it. Um, But generally the teachers are really well placed to make these assessments and there's been quite a bit of um, validity research that's looked at if you get two teachers to assess a child, how consistent are those ratings? And we actually find that they're really consistent. Based on all the the evidence that's been collected both in Canada and Australia, we're quite confident that teachers are very well placed um, to be making assessments of children's development. And if you look at the
2: questions, these are things like, um, you know, does this child recover easily from an upset? So, you know, for a teacher to have observed those sorts of things in the class, you can um, imagine they have a good sense of... The child's behaviour within the context of classrooms. And we're measuring all children based on their behaviour in the context of classrooms. So I guess that kind of concern, Mary, that people have that maybe teachers don't know the children well enough. You know, obviously children behave differently in different settings and how they are at home is different from how they are in the classroom. But when they start school, there's a certain um, set of skills and capabilities that really set them up for a terrific start and support them to be independent in school, to learn or to grow their independence in those settings, to make friends, um, to you know apply themselves enthusiastically to the um, learning opportunities and the exploration that comes through a lot of the um, early learning that we do in classrooms. Um, so it's those kinds of skills that teachers are assessing the child on. So it's holistic in that it's about lots of different lots of different skills that children bring to those environments but it's not holistic in that it fully understands the child in the context of their family or their community so um you know if we're really clear we're we're talking about how well are children prepared when they start school to the world that they're confronted with at that point in time really that's kind of what we're measuring with the adc and that's why it's so predictive of later outcomes especially within the schooling system
0: yeah, thank you so much for um, explaining that. That's interesting to learn a bit more about. Um, my next question is, you've alluded to the fact that um, there are lots of questions, about 100 questions that teachers respond to. So how does that fit into, we understand that the AEDC has some domains, so what 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 aspects of early childhood development is measured as a holistic measure of the child? So the ADC measures five
3: domains of children's development, The first one is their physical health and well-being. So this is things like kids' fine and gross motor skills. Then we measure their social competence. So that's um, the degree to which they can interact with other peers, um, their behaviour within the classroom and so on. We also measure emotional maturity. So this is things like um, whether children are coming to school anxious, whether they're showing signs of hyperactivity in the classroom or aggression, as well as their pro-social skills. The next domain is language and cognitive skills. So this is really emergent literacy and numeracy skills. And then the final domain is communication and general knowledge, and this measures kids' oral language skills. So we have a broad range. We measure those literacy and numeracy skills that are really important for schooling, but also those really important social and emotional learning skills as well as their physical health and wellbeing.
0: Right. Thanks so much for um explaining that uh, test. Well, that sounds very interesting to me. So how how is the data reported to teachers in all those domains once it's all captured? As you said earlier, there's these 100 items that teachers complete.
3: And then based on those 100 items, children get a score for each of the five domains between zero and 10, where 10 um, is the best possible score. So it means the highest development in that social competence or language, whichever domain we're talking about. And then children are classified into three different groups based on um, where they sit within those scores those zero to 10 scores. So children are either developmentally vulnerable, developmentally at risk or developmentally on track. And when teachers and schools receive information about how their kids are going, it's not at an individual level. So they don't get a report about that child like they might with NAPLAN, for example. Instead, they get a summary report about how the children in their school or in the whole school are doing overall. So they will see information about the percentage of children within their school who are developmentally vulnerable on each of those five domains. And then there's also some summary information. So we also look at the percentage of kids who are vulnerable in one or more domains of the ADC, um, the percentage of kids who are vulnerable on on two or more domains. So they they really get um, a lot of information about the the development of their children. And then there's also some contextual information that's provided back to schools, things like um, the kind of experiences that kids have had prior to school so whether they've been in preschool the kind of care arrangements that they've had and so on so it's that school report that goes back to schools is is quite comprehensive but it's it's a summary report it's not an individual level child report it's probably worth noting as well that
2: schools can access other types of AEDC reports so they can um the same way uh, anybody else in Australia can access reports for the communities in which their schools are located. So they could compare, you know, how um, children in their schools compare to children in the surrounding community that might be going to other schools. Um, and they can, you know, look at that in relation to state and national data as well to get a sense of, I guess, you know, the areas where they might need to focus some of their attention. What is unique or different about the cohorts of kids coming to their school that Um, might support them to think about the context of those children and how they can shape what they do um, to meet those contexts.
1: It's a great opportunity, I think, too, for um, schools to really have a look, I think, at what's the data in another area and say okay well what are those guys doing particularly if they're running a range of initiatives or um, other projects of connecting to community what can I learn as my, what can my school learn in, in terms of improving outcomes for children as well. Great examples of the ways some schools have really shifted
2: their community level data so we don't think about that you know, being a possibility sometimes because, well, the ADC is collected by the time kids are already at school. So anything the schools do is, um, you know, shifting the future trajectories of kids rather than the trajectories of the next cohort of kids coming through. But through some of the work that schools have done in their communities, really as leaders of, um, you know, in childhood, uh, a leading organisation in um, the lives of kids and families, um, they've been able to bring people together to achieve some really great change for kids in their communities and those are the sorts of stories I've been really inspired by as I've done this work.
1: It's a real great opportunity, isn't it, for uh, schools and early childhood services and community organisations to partner together, I think, and think about, you know, um, a continuum of learning and and fostering, you know, children you know, creating a sense of belonging because, you know, they're known, valued and cared for from one setting to the other.
2: Yeah, you're right. That partnership, Jackie, that's exactly it. I think it's through those partnerships um, and those connections and building that um, continuum of support that those changes that I've seen tend to really take place.
0: Yeah, I think I just wanted to go back in on um, some of the things you've highlighted in terms of understanding the needs of the students and understanding um, how the school can better support students. Um, I guess something I wanted to highlight is, which is something that comes from conversation with people, is the AEDC data tends to focus on areas of needs in terms of vulnerabilities. Um, are there other indicators that look at um people's strength or the students who are actually on track and gives us an indication of what success has happened? Mary, for each of the domains, we report on the the percentage of kids who are vulnerable, at
3: risk and on track. And historically, those those summary indicators that we've had um, are really deficit-based, as you've mentioned. It's about the percentage of kids who are vulnerable in one or more domains or two or more domains. But more recently, there's been a new summary indicator that we're starting to use, and it's the percentage of kids who are on track in all five aspects of their development. So this one's much more positively framed and strengths-based. So what we really want is all kids on track in all aspects of their development when they come into the schooling system. So this is a really good indicator and metric that we can start to look at um, that that is more strengths-based. And I guess the
2: learnings there as well when we think about you know where are there good examples of where um there are high proportions of children on track what can we learn from those settings what can we learn from the sorts of things that um the services and uh you know community coalitions schools etc are doing in those places that is supporting more children to be on track on all five domains than potentially, you know, the national average or state average or average of other communities that are similar in their contexts.
1: I think it's a real opportunity too for early childhood services to think about how, you know, this data is, you know, as you mentioned before, I think Yasmin, about the you know, children that will be attending in the the school in the future, it's really important that early childhood services engage with this level data to think about how does it impact my program? So a lot of, I think, you know, educators, including myself in the past, are are focused in on, you know, this group of children and what they're interested in and all those sorts of things. But if you know that there's some, you know, areas of vulnerability in your community, that can really um, make a difference, I guess, to the way that you're targeting your educational program and the ways that you engage family within your services. Um, And it's something that services could document in their quality improvement plan. It's a really great example of the exceeding theme, um, meaningful engagement with family and communities as well, I think so. You know, sometimes I think um, you know there's a there's a question of whether or not the data is is relevant for early childhood services, or is it more school based? And I think it's a really good example of you know important to. I guess the reason why we collect data is to know what we need to do to change or improve outcomes or improve the. And this is where I get a bit um, confused, Tess. When you're saying you want, you actually want a decrease in vulnerability and an increase on people on track. So that's right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think Let's um, just going to add to Jackie's point. So, you know, when we talk about that, what can you do about the data um, and what programs should you implement? Where do, does the community need support? I think, you know, sometimes we think of the aid, we think of data as telling us the answer of what we should do, but actually the AEDC is really a starting point for identifying where do we need to know more, where do we need to look um, and understand uh, better where support is needed, I guess. And it doesn't tell us what to do. And so, you know, I think the things that I've seen where schools and early childhood settings use that data really well is when they come together and have those conversations. So, for instance, there's a community school story about this on the NADC website so people can go and look for more information. But a Western Australian school where the principal came in, you know, in his first year 2009 data had already been collected. So he just got his school report and that's the first he heard of the at the time ADI. Uh, And he saw that, you know, much higher percentage of children in his school were developmentally runnable on one or more domain than in most communities around the country and um, well above the national average and, um, you know, was just gobsmacked by just how far behind the kids in his school were before, you know, even starting. Um, And rather than just saying, okay, well, we need to do something to improve development, it was like, okay, why? Why is it that this is happening? What are the factors? And they were in a very um, socioeconomically disadvantaged area, low levels of employment, um, lots of social problems and and all kinds of challenges. And when you talk to his teachers about it, uh, the experiences that they were having and the challenges that they were having in engaging families in the classroom became really evident, the sorts of challenges that they were having with language barriers with some of the families. like So he really kind of unpacked this, like, what does this high rate of vulnerability mean to being, you know, what's impacting development and how are families coping with the sort of challenges that they're facing? And through that was able to employ a social worker within the school to improve family engagement, to provide more support to families, to make it safer for families to come in and have someone at the school that they felt they could talk to so you know that kind of improved family engagement Um, and they went from having a school where they rarely had any parents show up for any of the school events to having a school where families you know all of the families were basically coming bringing food sharing sharing culture sharing stories Um, and you know you think that that's great that's improved the environment in the school but These families, these kids, they have younger siblings, the parents are now more engaged with services, the communities finding the school a safer place to come and, um, you know, as a a source of information for where they might get support when they're struggling with something. Um, And over the years, their AEDC data has just continued to improve and improve. And they went from having um, a rate of developmental vulnerability well above the national average to one below the national average within a matter of sort of six years of, doing, of starting that work, which is huge. That's, um, you know, if, if every community could make that kind of shift, imagine what we'd be doing to change intergenerational disadvantage in Australia.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, isn't it? You know, like it's just it's not just the fact that we're improving educational outcomes for the children themselves, but we're actually improving health um, outcomes and, you know, avoiding justice issues. Lots of different things there's it is a huge um, impact, collective impact on the whole health of the community, isn't it?
0: Thank you, Yasmin, Tess and Jackie. And hopefully we can catch up in our next AEDC podcast, which focuses on um, engaging with the AEDC data.